0: Hello and welcome to the latest Everything is Black and White podcast. I am Sean McCormick, joined by Chris Wolf. We're here at St. James's Park. Um, Newcastle just lost 2-1 in heartbreaking and fashion. Read- the Wolves, a 94th-minute winner for Matt Doherty, uh, meant that Nuno side took away the three points. Chris, I suppose the first place to start is the red card for Dion Yedden, which kind of changed the landscape of the game. Rafa Benitez has just been in the press conference with us there, and... I mean, you've covered the club longer than I have, but that's comfortably the most angry I've ever seen him. He was really fuming there, the decision, wasn't he, in the press conference?
1: That is the angriest I've ever seen Benitez in a post-game press conference. Normally, uh, he's a bit more diplomatic. And I think to a certain degree that possibly Benitez was so angry about the decisions because he also was didn't want... He wants to protect his players almost because I think that in some ways he knows Newcastle threw that game away in injury time. We'll get onto that later on. But, but essentially, the Edland red card, he's adamant it wasn't a red. It's a one of those which I think, even if VAR's been in place, we wouldn't be sure about. Personally, I didn't think it was a red card. I think it is a foul, probably a booking. Mike Dean was very quick, didn't really think about it, and straight away got the red card out. You can argue Lascelles is covering a cross. I'm not sure it's a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Others would argue likewise. The other incident later on, which is, I think, the one benitez had more was that Willy Bolly clearly elbowed Perez in the face. You can argue as to whether it was deliberate or not, but it's before Bolly he heads the ball, he catches Perez clean in the face, it's in the penalty area. Benitez thinks with VAR, there would have be a penalty red card. I agree with them, certainly on the penalty, maybe a red card too. And that was when the scoreline was at ones each. Newcastle could potentially have gone on to win the game if, if that happened. So the decisions are rightly there. Benitez says VAR 100% Newcastle would have won it. But I also think that the way Newcastle managed to throw away the game was partly their own doing as well.
0: I mean, obviously, Rafa's using the decision and the VAR to deflect away from the defeat. Uh, we'll come on to that in a bit. But, I mean, he's absolutely adamant there that like, we should be bringing VAR in now. It's coming in at the start of next season. Do you think there is a case after decisions like that today to bring it in sooner?
1: Potentially, yeah. I mean, my understanding is that it isn't
0: 100% definitely going to be the Premier League next year.
1: It, it, it The likelihood is it will be, but the clubs have only agreed in principle for now. They're still looking at ways that fans can be better informed within stadia and, and whatnot. I think it will arrive next season. It's been brought into the Champions League earlier, so it will be in the knockout stages of that competition. The one thing I will say about Benitez on this is our, we've asked him about VAR a few times before in pre-match press conferences and he's never been as strong as he was today. It's very easy for a manager after a game like this to point at these decisions and say VAR should have been there. We had it the other week, Mark Hughes at Southampton, when there was the Charlie Austin incident in his famous, infamous interview. But I agree, it, it probably should come in earlier, but I just think changing it midway through a season, I think you've you've got an issue there of the fact that this game's already gone for Newcastle, imagine if in a few weeks' time it's the reverse, VAR's been brought in, Newcastle are playing someone, the opposition benefit from VAR being in place, I think the integrity of it midway through a competition would be affected if you bring it in mid-season.
0: Moving away now from VAR, uh, we'll talk about the game now, Chris, it was it was a sickening way for Newcastle to lose it at the end, Yedden got sent off early in the second half, but they really battled in the Newcastle and the it looks so so close to getting that, that point that would have been so vital heading into the games against Fulham and Huddersfield. You made the point where you feel that Newcastle kind of let themselves down in terms of game management, trying to go for the win in stoppage time, losing the ball in possession, and were c- caught in the break essentially. To me, that's very unraffer like. What, what do you make of that?
1: It was very unraffer like. I mean, just before the incident which led to Wolves's winner, when Perez gave away the ball, Kennedy had done a similar thing where he'd run through the middle. And rather than head out wide or look for someone else, he basically run into the middle of three or four World's players, coughed up possession. And Benitez was angry, very, very angry on the touchline. He started remonstrating to Kennedy and showing him what he should have done. Then the very next attack, Perez goes wide. is going for the win. And if Newcastle had won the game, then suddenly that's brilliant. And, and everyone says, what a great decision for Jose Perez. But Perez at that point was playing wing-back. Wing-back in a team who were down to 10 men. And he loses possession, suddenly Wolves attack down that left-hand side, Newcastle's right, the ball comes across. Yotto was involved in all three goals, has a shot. Dubravka parries it and it goes to Doherty who just has is free at the back post to head in. And I think just because Newcastle had put so much into the game, they'd fought back from going behind for the second half of the first period, I thought they were the better team. Then the red card changed the complexion of the match. But I thought Newcastle had managed it quite well up until those last ten minutes. And then it just became a bit too frantic, and as you say, very un Rafa Benitez like.
0: And in terms of, you know, they had to change things with half time. Federico Fernandez came off with of a slight calf injury. We don't know how serious that is yet, and in terms of whether he'll be back for the Huddersfield game or not. But Rafa's decision was to bring on having Manquillo at right wing back and to move De'Andre Rieden in the centre half. We've never seen Rieden in the centre half before. You know, his, his, his qualities at right back are probably best suited in terms of going forward you know sometimes position that he gets caught out of right back so it seems strange to move into centre half did that do you think was that you know he got sent off because he got he dwindled on the ball but do you think that was kind of brought on because he was uncomfortable playing at right centre half
1: 100% I don't think we'll see Yedlin as a centre back again uh you could see in the in the 10 15 minutes before that he'd already been caught out a couple of times he, he'd, he'd rushed out he'd been dragged out of position and look I'm not really criticizing him because that is not his position he's in my opinion he shouldn't have been there I don't understand why Paul Dummett was on the bench if he wasn't fit enough to come on for 45 minutes There's all, I know Newcastle are short of defensive options with Cher being out injured, who could Newcastle have brought into the team or on the bench otherwise, but I would rather have had someone from the under-23s come onto the bench who could have come in and actually played in position if you play in three centre-backs it's a specialist position to play in a back three it's more difficult than playing just a two you've got extra responsibility and then Mankio had to cover in there and actually i thought he did okay in that position but again he's he's not in that but i just find it a strange decision that paul Dummett was one of the players on the bench if he wasn't fit enough to come on
0: and moving forward obviously next week huddersfield it becomes a massive game now because really Newcastle need to get something out of that. to give themselves a bit of a cushion going into those games against Huddersfield and Fulham. Teams around them at the bottom. Do you think you'll stick with five at the back? Will you have the personnel to stick with five at the back? Because obviously now, in terms of defensive options, it could be seriously dwindled, yet then suspended. Fernandez potentially injured. We don't know how, how close the journey is to recovery. Will Paul Thomas be fit? Will Cher be back? Do you think you'll stick with five at the back? Do you think you'll revert back to kind of a 4 2 3 one, which he was going with before? The success of the five men at the back.
1: Even though Newcastle are away from home, and I think that throughout the rest of the season we will on quite regular occasions see Benitez switch to five at the back. I don't think he'll do that at Huddersfield. I think it's a different sort of match. They're not as expansive as other teams, even if they're at home. I think Newcastle are better balanced in general against teams like that when they play four two three one. I'd be shocked if he goes with five at the back, particularly because of the injuries although Lejeune is getting close to a return, done what you would hope now, will be back next week. I think you'll probably revert back to a four-two-three-one. a bit more of a goal at Huddersfield there. Newcastle need to get a result there, particularly given their home form. They've got Fulham just before Christmas, but Newcastle have lost seven of nine home games so far this season, which is alarming to a certain degree, and it's their waveform, I think, which is really going to be key now for the next few weeks. And if we
0: can give Newcastle fans some positives heading into those two crucial games, you know, it's been a highly emotive afternoon it was a heart heartbreaking way to lose the game, but it's easy to forget how positive you know some of the performances were with Newcastle this afternoon. Solomon Rondon was brilliant up front. I thought Key was brilliant again in centre midfield. Uh, Christian Atsu impressed, which you know not many people would have called that at the start of the game. You know, can they bring those positives into that game at Huddersfield to you know get the important win that they so desperately need.
1: I think they can. I, I, I do believe that Newcastle have a good spine at the moment. Lascelles struggled first off but I thought he came on strong again in the second, did quite well. Then you have Key who's playing very well, darme wasn't his best game but I still think he, he got through a lot of work in there. Perez was okay today, I thought he did some decent things other than the giving away the ball in, in injury time. And then Rondon, particularly first half, I thought was really, really good. You can see why Benitez likes him as a striker. He works so hard, covers so much ground. And so I, I don't see why Newcastle should be too deflated by this. Obviously, the way that they conceded the winner, yes, there is going to be a bit of an after-effect from that. Benitez needs to point the positives, and then hopefully Newcastle can go to Huddersfield and make sure they do get at least a point, but hopefully all three.
0: We're now in the second part of our latest Everything is Black and White podcast in association with E-Toro. Thanks to Chris Boff for his thoughts. I'm now joined by Chief Sports Writer Lee, Lee Ryder and Football Editor Mark Douglas. Uh, guys, as I said at Chris there, we've just seen Rafa Benitez, possibly the, the angriest we've ever seen him mm. uh, during his Newcastle derain. Um, First of all, about the the Ried and red card, but particularly about the willy-bolly Willy elbow on Ayose Perez. Do you think he had a point?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I think he was right on that one. Um, Yedlin's more marginal, I think. Yeah, you know, I can see why he got the red card, and I think Nuno would probably be speaking about the the, the injustice of that one if if it had gone against Wolves if they have not got the red card. But I, I just don't see how you know we've got a linesman on that side as well. Uh, the referee, if, even if he doesn't see it, the linesman should get it. Somebody should get it, and I, and I do have massive sympathy for Newcastle for that one because. It's a red card, and it's a it's a penalty for me all all day long. Nuno said in the post match press conference, yeah, it is an elbow. He said it's not deliberate, but it looks to me as if he knows where Perez is when he takes when he takes the elbow when he when he plays the thing. And and whether he whether it's deliberate or not, you know, is is, is up for debate. But I, you know. If Yedlin's not getting the benefit of the doubt, how is Bowley getting the benefit of that? I can only assume the referee hasn't hasn't seen it at all and the linesman hasn't seen it at all. And that just seems, in this day and age, absolutely ridiculous, you know, roll on VAR next season.
0: And Rafa Pinny has come in and he constantly mentioned VAR, let's bring V A R in now. Um the I mean you've written a piece about what I was your parents said up after the game. He's called the VAR as well. He feels body well, clearly elbowed him and he should have had a penalty. Um you know, would VAR rectify that and would Newcastle have got a penalty?
3: I think wood would um, I think it also was borderline the Edlin one so mm-hmm. it, on this occasion I think it would help help Newcastle on the day unfortunately it's now going to be used as a not an excuse but the reason why they didn't get anything out of the game yeah. Wolves won't be talking about VAR on the way home uh, everything's dropped their way and in the end the 10 men just couldn't hold out and that that's ultimately what's, what this game will be remembered for the, the devastating scenes in the last yeah. minute when they were on the pitch all that sort of stuff but that, that's the Premier League Newcastle they battled hard today they were in different situations because at one point three points was the aim yeah. after that one point would have been ideal today in the circumstances but in the end they ended with nothing back to back home defeats and yeah while the VAR talk is dominating the headlines at the moment. It's another game lost by Newcastle United.
0: And Mark, you said it was an opportunity missed by Newcastle in the end this afternoon. Obviously as as the said the goalposts post changed when you had them were sent off. Newcastle were looking quite good at that point. Even with ten men, you know, they battled mm. really hard. There would have been very good value for the draw. Um but do you think Newcastle kind of, you know, it was poor game management in the end because it got to stop got the stoppage time and Yeah, I do. I you know do. It, it was very unwrapper like, wasn't it, to kind of go for the win and be a bit you know, sacrificial going forward in yeah. terms of being caught on the break for the goal
2: It reminded me a little bit of Bournemouth last season where they, they got caught a little bit at the end yeah. um, I mean Kennedy came on and I don't know what his instructions were but he tried to beat half the Wolves team lost the ball yeah. you know there were, the shape wasn't right when, when that happened they obviously the, the goal at the end as well I mean I don't know how he managed to get through so many men to, to get the shot off but you know Newcastle it's been now successive home games where defensively they've been they've been poor really and, and I can only assume when Fernandes went off that was that was a key moment. Um Shah, you know, I think Shah would probably have put a challenge in there at Fer to say Lacelles was really tentative today. I, I don't really know that's not the LaSelles we kind of we kinda of know from Newcastle United. He just didn't seem to be didn't seem to be there. But yeah, I think game management wise, it it just felt today as if a little bit they 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 got they went a little bit more gung-ho, which is kind of what we want Newcastle to do. But, you know, I suppose you get punished a little bit if if you do it and it goes wrong. To me, I felt they should have probably, especially when you got into stoppage time, they were starting to get on top. And I understand when Newcastle were on top and, and Wolves, Wolves were a little bit more uh, withdrawn, I can totally understand why you're then going for the win. But it did feel as if Newcastle's chance had gone and by the time it got to stoppage time, you know, that the kid who came on Morgan Gibbs White, uh, I mean he he was finding a lot of space. He looks like a hell of a player, and and he came on. He was pinging balls, and you just thought, do you know what? Just take the point here. Just take the point, and they didn't. And I mean, when Kennedy came on, I don't know what he was doing, and that's why Kennedy probably isn't going to make it at Chelsea, and why Newcastle have got a chance of signing him permanently because he just takes the wrong decisions at, at times, and it was frustrating because that is that is a point lost for Newcastle at the end there. And it could be crucial come the end of the season. We hope not. We hope they'll have enough just to mean that it's kind of inconsequential. But, you know, at this stage, they need those points. And now they've got two absolutely massive games coming up because Huddersfield and Fulham, uh, two teams in the relegation zone, it's absolutely huge for Newcastle now. And they need to kind of get probably four points from the next six if they're going to go into Christmas feeling comfortable you know, playing like they have done in the last three games, you'd say you just don't know what what they're going to do because so they've actually played okay in two of those games, but they've just made mistakes. I mean, they've made some horrendous kind of defensive mistakes. They haven't made the right decision in the final third at Everton as well. So you do wonder what's going to happen, and you know it's going to be another kind of nail biting fortnight going into Christmas, which it was last year as well.
0: And the I think Mark mentioned Gibbs White there. I thought he did make a difference, particularly you know he kind of nullified Key, who I thought was having a very good game particularly in the second half. Um but, you know, for Wolves for all the quality, for all the money they spent this in this in the summer, you know, the, they weren't at their best today and Newcastle will be very disappointed, not at least got a point out of that. Even with the ten men, um, you know, Nuno sounded very relieved we come away with a win. A lot of the Wolves journalists and the questioning sounded like they were relieved that Wolves had got away with the win. Um, you know, how big of an opportunity has that missed for Newcastle this afternoon, particularly with Huddersfield and the Fulham on the horizon, even to get a point it would have lifted them four points to clear the relegation zone.
3: Yeah, it's a it's a big one, it's a big um loss of an opportunity now and Huddersfield won't be easy next week and Newcastle go down their pressure, but then sometimes when they're under the most pressure, the the they seem to be at the best. I mean at Everton they went there after the West Ham defeat and everyone was kind of out of their throats a little bit. But they emerged with a point. They should have got a point today at least. Um, but strange things happened in that game. Um, but ultimately, if you start with a back five or five three two, whatever you, whatever way you want looking at it, three five two, whatever, it's quite a negative system to set up at home, uh, and I think it invites pressure. Yeah. And you know, Wolves did go ahead in this game. Um, Newcastle had to come back, and it's probably today is. Uh, an example of how Newcastle should maybe be, a little bit, that little bit more positive and get on the front foot uh, and then defend all they like when you go 2-0 up um, but sadly um, they invited the pressure on a little bit but we'll have to pick up the pieces of it again uh, Huddersfield as I say, tough one and Fulham back here before Christmas still an opportunity to get 4 or 6 points you know that Bad start of the season now really is starting to show for Newcastle, especially after two consecutive home defeats. Uh, but I think even Raffron there, he said, We've known this since the end of the transfer mm. window that it would be tough. So, again, while he tried to turn everything on to VAR in his press conference, he did get that little, yeah. little not a dig, but he made the point that you know, we're set up with a team, a low budget team, we're not paying people anywhere near as much as the other end, we're not, we're getting outspent by teams like Wolves. Mm. Uh, and the league table doesn't lie.
2: It's so frustrating, isn't it? Because Brighton are obviously having a really good season. Um, they've spent more than Newcastle. They, they look more, they look more progressive. You know, we just got to hope that this takeover, the you know the the club changes hands to people who've got a bit of ambition and and can actually fund Benitez. Because you sit there with you sit there with you know looking at the games today. Looking at the, that's two teams that have come here who've spent really really big in in the last two weeks. West Ham, to be fair, did outplay Newcastle and you know that, that that was a progression from them for last season. But Wolves came here today, they spent an absolute fortune. They didn't look, you know, you just imagine if a new if Newcastle United had given Rafa some money, what he could have done because he's you know, he's already transformed this team on a tiny budget, and you just wonder if you'd have got the kind of money that Wolves have spent, what Newcastle could have been. It's so frustrating, because there's a few teams come here now who've spent big and you think, they're not all that. Wolves were not all that today. They were there for the taking um, and it's so frustrating because Newcastle didn't really have anybody. You know, we, we haven't really talked about it here, but Wolves had, Gibbs White came off the bench. Fair enough. Very, very special talent. You can see that. But then they bring Raul Jimenez off. They've got two internationals coming off the bench today. Newcastle brought Hossolu on. Um, they brought Mankio on and they brought Kennedy on. And Kennedy's, you know, probably the three, one of the more high profile of those three but he's nowhere near that level Hossu's coming on at the end to try and hold the ball up at the end Manquillo's coming on to replace yeah. Yedlin you know that's the problem that's where you get that's the difference in the Premier League and that's why the people who at the top of Newcastle United who don't understand football I'm sorry they don't they don't see that that's where you lose football matches you can have as good a manager as you need but if you're bringing Hossu and Manquillo on you know no matter how good your your manager is, you're going to be struggling. And if they didn't have a, as good a manager as Rafa, you dread to think where this Newcastle United team would be.
0: I uh, think, yeah, as he touched on there, the frustrating thing is the lack of investment, as we we've said all season. Jimenez, you know, he he scored like, he's been involved in over half of all his goals this season. They can afford to leave him on the bench. Mm-hmm. It's it's worlds apart, isn't it? But, totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, the one thing Rafa can affect between now and January, you know, take over his side, transfer funds aside. Is how he sets his team up, it's a bit divisive, as you mentioned there. Lee you mentioned uh, you know, playing with five at the back at home, away from home, it's been successful. The draw at Everton, the win at Burnley, when Newcastle, are very solid, doing using that system. Going to Huddersfield away from home, you know, it's a team that they, they need to beat, really. Do you think he should go with five at the back? Should he revert back to four? And will he have the personnel to go with five at the back? Because, you know, Fernandez had come off with an injury, Dummick clearly wasn't fit because he didn't bring him off the bench this afternoon, Yedlin's going to be suspended will Cher be back can he go with five at the bat or will he revert to 4-2-3-1 four, four, as he started the, the season with
3: well I think fans would understand that if he you know away from home playing that system fans would understand I think it's here at St James's Park where got to be possibly a little bit more positive but um, I think I remember that game in the Championship against Huddersfield a couple of years ago when Newcastle played ultra counter-attacking football yeah. and a worked an absolute treat uh, and was probably one of the cornerstones for winning promotion they're going to have to do something pretty similar to that again because Huddersfield are a team that they don't care they just fly forward and they play that Dortmund kind of press that we we all like to see but it's great if you've got the personnel to do it um, and fly forward Uh, sadly maybe Newcastle haven't got it but maybe the outlook could be a little bit more positive I would say so they probably are going to have to come up with something um, for Huddersfield away next week. I think today, really, the fans, it was just another another uh, sort of throw below the belt sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? When all the fans started walking out at the end, mm-hmm. you couldn't blame them. It was a yeah. sad sight. Uh, but, you know, that's... That's where Newcastle United are because of the money that they've put in. They haven't spent as much as everyone else. So, you know, you, you lose games like this in this, this fashion as well.
2: I felt a bit subdued today, didn't I, the whole, the whole thing? If if the if the boycott had gone through today and there was a few thousand off the gate, you'd have said, you can see, it, it just feels like a club at the moment that is, is you know, is taking a few knocks. And, yeah. you know, I don't think it helped. Mike Ashley giving his interview on Monday, I don't think it's helped... This, this football club I think Lee you pointed out in the press conference Rafa didn't really go for it Because I can understand his message was obviously you know he's that kind of manager isn't he? his message was that but it hasn't helped it's created a massive amount of uncertainty it's got people thinking thinking about the future again looking away from what's actually going on at the football club at the moment and you know there's this massive amount of mistrust I think that it's he's actually being serious I mean we understand that you know that, He's been serious. Talk again at the press conference here. Somebody even mentioned to me today that it might get done this week. Well, I'm not sure about that, but, um, you know, there's credible people saying it. Um, well, But, you know, we've been there before and we've been there a few times before, but it just hasn't helped. And again, it's just typical Mike Ashley, isn't it? That to say something like that, throw away line, making it more difficult for the manager who's here, you know, if he'd have just if they'd just backed him, given him a bit a bit of something, we could have been talking about a very different kind of Newcastle United. But it feels that this season has been has been frustrating from the start to the finish. And today, kind of was another one of those, you know, just frustrating moments in the season. Just things can go one or two ways with Newcastle sometimes, and it feels a little bit like, you know, that they're, they're up against it at the moment. Two massive massive games coming up, which will define kind of where we where we go into twenty eighteen. But at least credit to, to Ratham for the fact that they are gonna be um they're gonna be going into the new year looking they're gonna be in a, in the fight and I think three or four weeks ago we we were worried that they were gonna be cut adrift by the time they got to January. But I think from a position where we were a little bit more optimistic that he was going to be backed in January or at least get something in January, it's all gone right back to the start because if the takeover doesn't happen I can't see any way in which he's gonna get major funds in January, and that means that, because it's just the excuse, isn't it, of, yeah. well, why would I give you major funds when you know this takeover could be a few a few days away, a few weeks away, and then it's all about loans and trying to do things like that, which are, is not gonna happen early in the window, and then that means, you know does the FA Cup get sacrificed again, and you, then you've got the relegation battle, and are they gonna go into the end of January, Needing players like they did last last uh January. And it's just like it's just a mess. It's total uncertainty at Newcastle United. And it's been uncertainty for two years at Newcastle United. We don't know where Rafa stands, we don't know where the club stands, we don't know where all of these things these things happen. And you know, I think the players have been doing really well to keep their minds on the jobs, but I can totally understand why in the stands it feels a little bit like you know, what is the point at times because we win games. Newcastle win games, and you know what's the bigger picture? We don't know. We just don't know. And I don't care who you are. And I mean, if the manager doesn't know, the managing director we understand doesn't really know hundred percent what's going to happen. I mean, he didn't know that the Mike Ashley was going to give the interview. It's just a joke, and it's why Mike Ashley needs to, you know, make this happen as soon as he can, so he walks away and, you know, give somebody else the opportunity to run this football club properly.
0: So just to finish then, you know, because of all the things Mark just mentioned there. <laughs> Sorry. You, yeah, know, you, know, but it, you know, it's all relevant in terms of the January spend, the takeover, whether or not they'll have an FA Cup run, where they're going to be standing going into the 2019. These two matches, as Mark said, are absolutely huge in terms of all of that. So Newcastle need to get at least four points, possibly six points, particularly when you look at the next three fixtures in such a short space of time it away, Watford away in my night at home. Yeah, that's, that's a brutal
3: um, list of games that you mentioned there, and they do need to get points in the bag just to cover themselves. Because you look, at, I'm just looking at the league table now, uh, really tight down there. And you look at someone like Cardiff who've won back to back games, and now ahead of Newcastle, um, Watford on twenty points now, halfway to the yeah. magic forty if you like, and it's going to be a real slug at the bottom there with yeah, six or seven to teams. Right here,
2: yeah.
3: Um I think Fulham have got another gear that they can go up with Ranieri coming in. They seem to be kinda you know, obviously got beat off Man United yesterday, but I think there's games they can win. Yeah. Southampton have got a new manager, Huddersfield are a bit of a crazy team as mm. as we mentioned. Uh Burnley are recovering from, from that. So Palace got out of it last season, so Newcastle just needs to totally focus on the next uh, couple of games and, and get points on the board. But what who what is going to erupt before in between that that we can only wait and see but if the last couple of days are anything to go by you know the, who's to say there might not be something leaked from the top which causes more unrest and leaves Rafa with even less uh, money to spend in January it's a it's a very serious situation and I, I don't think that Mike Ashley fully realizes uh, what. How much danger is clubs in? And it's
2: self-inflicted, really, especially in the last week. Yeah, I think that's the point, isn't it? That probably by Fulham, you've got to think that we'll know by then whether the take whether there's going to be a takeover in time for January because how many working days are there between the 23rd and the 1st of January? Not many. Not many, So so then... The problem is, it, it, what will happen, I think, I know, you know what will what happen with Newcastle United, that it could be that if it doesn't happen by January, the question will be, well, could it, could, could, they, could, could somebody inject some funds in to, to make it January? Well, I think we, we talked about that with Stavely last year, unrealistic, I think, because people just don't necessarily trust what's going on. And then you look at it and think, is, could it take them to be negotiated the first week of January to give someone to, some time? It's just all a total mess. Every other football club in the country, especially the other nineteen Premier League football clubs, all of those managers will be going in, knowing their budget, knowing.
3: Well what some they can do. some deals
2: are lined up already. Yeah. I know that for a fact. The other clubs, some yeah. some
3: some players that are going to be signed in January will be come, moving over to the new clubs from different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about the third week, so pretty much just before the Boxing Day games, there'll be players training with the new clubs. Newcastle aren't even close mm. to to that possibility. Almiron is a player that could have had sorted by now. Yeah. He you know, he really should be that should be getting done done and dusted now. Yeah. And then you've got him ready for January to go, but it, you know, it's it's just been parked like a lot of other things have at this club and uh... everything's been parked. I mean that's the that's <laughs> the frustration, isn't
2: it? It's like at least I mean we we we've been told by by people at this football club that Mike Ashley being back at the matches should be seen as a positive because we, we, was a lot of people were being negative about it and we were told Mike Ashley being back at this football club is a real positive you should be right in that that is a positive he's not been in the last three games he's just told Sky last week that he's ready to sell it in a more advanced than he's ever been so that, was that a lot of rubbish it feels like it was to me it feels like to me that, that what was that about why you say why 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 was this this whole spin, if you will, that not a spin, it's not a spin, because it I think it was genuinely believed that getting Mike Ashley back involved and getting him speaking to the players and speaking to the to the manager would get him back involved in the football club and get him involved in matters so he wouldn't so he would start to think, Yeah, okay, well I'm gonna get involved again and I'm gonna give him money and I'm gonna Understand where Rafa's coming from a bit more because we're talking more and he's coming to the matches and all this. He wasn't here today. He wasn't here. He wasn't at Everton. He wasn't at West Ham. And on Monday, he he made it very clear that you know he wants to sell and he wants to sell as soon as possible so somebody else could take it in. So what was the point in that? Was it just a diversion? Was it? Did he really think it? I and mean, it's something's changed. I mean, you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt that that might have been the case, but. How is the manager? This manager for the fourth train, uh, uh transfer window in in a, in a row, not knowing what is going to happen at the football club. I know we're getting away from the match today, but it's all the little things that that have an impact on on a football club and contribute to days like today. You know, it, the frustration builds, and and that's where you come from. It's it's been a long week, and you know you could see. I think a bit of the frustration that Rafa felt towards VAR at the end there was. It was a bit reflective, reflective of a week where he probably feels like under Mike Ashley's club's a bit unmanageable because he likes to be he's a meticulous guys and he likes to have everything sorted and you can't do that with Mike Ashley because he'll throw a curveball in like that. Every manager that's worked here under Mike Ashley has had the same the same experience of you know dealing with something that usually comes from the top, like Lee said, a self-inflicted problem. And, you know, we had you know, Pardew, it was the stadium renaming, joking here, coming in and all that kind of nonsense. McLaren, it was, you know, bringing players in and then, and then being undermined and, you know, and all those kind of things. And, you know, he probably the only manager who did get what he needed in January, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen like that for Rafa, is it? It's not going to happen like that for Rafa. And you just think, what next? We hope that it has a positive, there's a positive resolution this week. And, you know, there's a chance of that, and it would be it would be really, really welcome. I mean, we never know who the next person to come in is. It could be somebody worse, but I can't see anybody with 320 million or whatever who comes in, buys the football club. It wouldn't, it would come in and do half measures. It would be a proper, we'll have a go. We'll see what we've got. But I mean, we don't know, do we? Because we don't know who the person is. And that's probably a good thing, because if we knew who the person was, I think it's less likely that it's gonna
0: happen. But I think that's go. a, a good place to leave it, then, guys. <laughs> I think you know we've covered plenty of bases there. Um, we'll be back later in the week with another podcast where we'll discuss all the latest with the takeover in terms of the January transfer window, looking ahead to Huddersfield and Fulham. Um, I'm sure you'll you'll tune in for that. We'll have all the coverage on Chronicle Live as well from Lee, Martin, and myself. Uh, thanks for joining us and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday.